Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is Data for Good. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company for senior data, insights, and analytics professionals connecting you with Berlin's most influential companies. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data analytics and engineering, giving you access to the thoughts and opinions of Berlin's most successful data people. Today, we are joined by Victoria Perez-Muller, Solutions Architect at DBT Labs. Now, we've been looking forward to this episode, and I think it's well-timed following on from the DBT conferences in the past week. Victoria is going to talk to us about the modern data stack, also sharing with us her journey into data and how we can encourage more people to do the same. Victoria, welcome. How are you? Hi. Uh, hi, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm good. Very happy to be here. Good to hear. Yeah, it's our pleasure to, to have you on the pod today. You were at the event in London last week. How was it? Uh, very good. For, for the ones that don't know, uh, DVT, um, DVT Labs hosts an annual conference um, called Coales. And uh, this year was for the first time in person, one week in New Orleans, and then one day in London, one day in Sydney. And I went to the London chapter and uh, it was really nice to see all of the community in person that you normally interact with Slack. And then um, the talks were very interesting as well. I got to see a lot of, and um, understand a lot of what people are doing in data, what kind of challenges they're facing, and then also get to know vendors as well. What is in the, in the data space out there? What are the new things and challenges? Amazing. Yeah, I've seen it uh, all over the place. So I think there's been a yeah. great, great bit of publicity there. Um, massive for the community uh, as well. Yeah, the community is huge. So I think that's definitely the most value you get out of it is to get to know all these people that are doing the same thing you are, right? And they may be having the, the same challenges so then you can brainstorm and understand what they're using, how they're using it. Absolutely. And I think DBT has blown up in, in recent years. It's been a, a tool that a lot of people are making the most of, and it's making a lot of people's um, work within data a lot more enjoyable. Um, so for those who don't know, when we talk about modern data stack, what do we mean by that? So the modern data stack, we can we can describe it as a set of data tools or a tech stack that we've started to see in the last probably seven, 10 years. Um, and instead of having one single platform like we used to have before, and then it was very common to say, you have everything in Microsoft or everything in Oracle, and then you do your whole transformations in there, we start to see more and more tools that target one specific use case within mm -hmm. your data stack. So for example, DBT will help you with the transformations of that data. And then you would have some, some kind of tool, like let's say Fivetrain or Airbyte that will help you uh, with the loading, the EL part. And then you'll have a VA tool on top of that. So you get to choose all these different pieces and kind of like put them together mm -hmm. to uh, make your modern data stack. Okay, and, and why is it important that we move away from the more traditional methods and into this modern data stack? So for me, the, the biggest benefit is that you get to choose the best tool for each purpose. And uh, there's also more motivation for all of these tools to be the best one in the market. 
So there's a lot of motivation to be the best transformation tool, the best EL tool, the best VI tool. And they focus in that one thing rather than covering the whole spectrum of things that you have to do with data. And all of this competition, this healthy competition pushes that uh, to those tools to be better. And um, this is something that uh, open source uh, had a lot of uh, impact in the past mm -hmm. few years, like many, many of these tools that we're seeing and that um, are part of the modern data stack, they have at a certain um, extent, some kind of like open source uh, part, whether it's like a core or something like that, they do have that component. Mm -hmm. And that of course helps to grow the community and uh, gives a lot of people the chance to work with the modern data stack from before. Before, when I started working, for example, uh, then I needed to get a shop to start working with Microsoft SQL Server. Yeah. Um, for example, we like the real use case, you know, and the real tools, because it's a very expensive tool. You cannot really do it as a student. Nice. So this healthy competition is allowing us to use tools that are ever evolving, developing, uh, and getting better. You mentioned open source there. So it's a, a practice that maybe software development has been doing very well for, for many years. So how is it different? How is it the same within data? And how are we utilizing open source? Yeah, I think, as you were saying, it's not something that it's directly uh, something that data is doing. It's something that has been in software engineering for, for, for a while. But it feels like data was a little bit behind if the software engineering practices, and uh, now data is taking all the importance um, as well. So then it's starting to bring all the things that existed, like the good software engineering practices as well, the open source communities and all that to this side. Um, because before given this platform, now that it was someone else was doing the contract, let's say. So let's mm -hmm. say your CTO would do a contract with a platform and then we just use everything out of this vendor. And right yeah. now the actual data people that are working with the data had these chances to select the tools. And, and again, guys, with the health competition and the fact, I think the open source, one of the main benefits is the community as well, that you don't see such a community around proprietary software normally. Um, and that and that also helps a lot to learn, to provide more feedback as well on the tools and helps as well on the other side. Definitely. I think data as a community um there's a lot of unfilled potential uh within data i think we're at the aware awareness stage so most people yeah. are aware of it but we're still pushing towards acceptance um and i think open source by the sounds of things is really helping that and building that community so we can uh, evolve as a, a data space with the modern data stack we are seeing the emergence of new roles, new responsibilities uh, compared to traditional uh, positions within a company. Analytics engineer is something that is very close um, to you, Victoria. So yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit about analytics engineering and how it's evolved. Um, I, I really like the story of uh, Spotify. They posted this in a blog probably like two years ago. Um, and I think that describes exactly what is happening with analytics engineer, and then it's happening as well with a lot of roles. 
um, they found out that they needed a person to do something very specific in their data team, which was to be kind of like in the middle of the data engineers, but then still have that business awareness and understanding that the data analytics had. So combine the good software engineer practices that the data engineers had the knowledge for to and apply it to the business logic. They didn't have a role for it or anything like that didn't fully exist as a role per se. And then they just posted uh, something. Um, they put it in shock opening and then they kind of like invented a title. And, and that's how, how they found the, their first analytics engineer. Uh, it was not analytics engineering, the, the title. That yeah. that is like even in the blog, the person that got that first job then said this is a terrible title, and then they eventually changed it. Uh, yeah, and and a lot of the blogs that were published like three years or something like that is it fairly new. It goes exactly to that, right? Like data engineering is too broad in many companies and the same is happening with data analysts depending on the company and how big it is and how technical the people are in and on the tools they're using it can be that as a data analyst you're doing a graph in a spreadsheet or you're using a vi tool or on top of that you're editing your own pipelines um as the level so the standards they're higher in in the yeah. in terms of tooling but then as well as the data quality the insights that we want to get out of it and all of this, then the, the kind of work that we're doing in data has increased in complexity as well and in good practices, then it's just, it goes with it that we start defining more and more those roles, right? And then we start defining those lines as well. And that's mm -hmm. how analytics engineers uh, come into the market, I think. Yeah, it's a, it was a gray area previously, and I think it's a bit more defined um, now. And as a industry, we are getting better yeah, at exactly. um, aligning responsibilities. Um, a day, like you mentioned, a data analyst, previously you could be doing what would be a data engineer uh, at another company. So, yeah, I agree. I think we are getting much better at uh, aligning these responsibilities. Now... You were previously an analytics uh, engineer. Yeah. How did you How did you get into uh, that specific position? Um, so it was a bit for by chance, <laughs> but uh, for me, my in my background, I, I studied computer science back in Argentina, mm -hmm. so systems engineering, and I knew um, that I wanted to work with databases, but at that time, like that was not something that you could really get a role at market Argentina and the CD I was living in and all of that. So then I started working with ERP systems. So I was still doing some kind of BI. So I was working a lot with databases, doing the reporting, uh, setting up like whatever, store procedures, anything, writing all the SQL. And when I came to Berlin, I started to move more, more and more specific into the VI. So I was working in data warehousing. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I applied to like a BI position. Uh, yep. I don't even recall. And because of COVID, that application kind of like got delayed. Mm -hmm. And by the time we were able, they were finally able to hand me the offer, they were like, oh, by the way, this is going to be called analytics engineer from now on. And that's how I end up as an analytics engineer. <laughs> but for people that want to get into analytics engineering, which I think now it's a more of an active choice, yep. well, that's and then as technology <laughs> engineer, 
Um, I think it can either come from both ways. So it's something that we see a lot in data, right? Uh, you either come from the good software engineering practices, meaning you start computer science, yeah, and then you just get more into the business side of things. So start understanding a little bit more about, I don't know, what is revenue in a company or I don't know if you're into marketing, then try to get more into marketing if you like ops. So try to find a little bit of that side. And then the other option is you come from more of a business side. The natural progression would be probably going to a data analyst role. And then you start getting deeper into the good software engineering practices. So start yeah. reading about modeling books, start reading about, I don't know, query optimization, all those kind of things. Yeah, I think careers are developing that you don't have to stay in your specific niche for, for many, many years. I think we are seeing that people are exploring a lot earlier uh, in their yeah. career. Um, someone, for example, who didn't take the technical route, didn't go to university and study computer science. However, they may be a very much technical person, have got into a business and are looking over towards the technical teams and thinking, I'd be interested in digging deeper into that. And it sounds like data analysts and analytics engineer is a good first step for these people. Yeah. Uh, definitely. If if you're a technical person, but you still have like that knowledge of the business and you like it, of course, then that's a great thing uh, to get started because you get like a mix of both things. Um, yeah. And it, and it's really good. I mean, I guess the best advice is like it, IT is probably one of the most uh, professions where you get uh, people that didn't really want to university for it. So you get like a nice mix if people that went to university and that didn't. And that's fine and that's really good and it's very valuable very rich because you get to learn a lot right exactly and i think also on the other side if you're a, a technical person um and you took that path you went with your uh went with your decision to go down a technical studies at, at university you're not locked in to the specific hardcore technical roles you can open up two business uh, positions if you have got that, I guess, business mindset and, and thoughts. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like if you if you like IT, if you like development and all that, and you're thinking about going to a technical kind of like study computer science or something like that, definitely know that you're not uh, going to, you don't have to be developing and making code the whole time. You have a lot of options and you can always steer down and specialize into a line of business that you like the most, yeah. Amazing. And in your experience, what are the barriers or what did you have to get through to, to get where you are today? Yeah, I think, well, definitely one of the barriers was for me that I didn't have uh, the role I specifically wanted. Or mm -hmm. I, I also didn't know that much. I don't I don't feel it was much out there because that is something that wasn't really developed back in Argentina. Mm -hmm. So um trying to find my way and and steer like my career into what I wanted. Uh that was definitely one of the barriers that I have to overcome. And then probably the learning that I get to it is like you can always change and mm -hmm. you can always find and and it, and it's okay to to learn what you want to get out of a shop, and that's really nice. 
Um, and then probably the biggest barrier was the decision to study uh, computer science. Yeah. Because in my idea, uh, computer science was like, I don't know, men. And, and, and you see that a lot in university as well. Like I was the only one in the classroom um i like sometimes like teachers they or professors they somehow uh lean more over the men's solution yeah. like hopefully that is not like that anymore uh but that's definitely it feels a little bit like you're being blocked the whole time yeah. and you keep going and it helped me a lot that my family was very very supported always yeah i think it's becoming more and more accessible um and it's good that we have these conversations so that yeah. people aren't put off um that's the way it was i think it's it's well known that it was a very male dominated space um but the way that these it roles are becoming more open that women can follow that if that's the career that they they want to choose and also geography wise you've moved away from Argentina to pursue a career. How difficult was that for you? Um, well, I guess normally, <laughs> like normal amount of difficulty. Yeah, it's definitely the first year is tough because you need to create, your, you come from a whole circle and then you don't realize that you've been building that circle for your whole life. Like the friends yeah. you have, the family you have, like the, the places you go, you build in all that your whole time and that applies also to work. And then at the beginning here, nobody knows you. So um, then you sit in front of someone and you need to learn how you how to make your CV, how to, I don't know, cover letter. The whole application yeah. process is very different. You need to learn that. But then on top of that, you also need to build your a structure around it. So kind of like your social network around it to support you as well whenever you're having projections and stuff like that, which is very tough. Um, but I, I think... Um, Overall, I, I was lucky in that sense. Yeah. Uh, I was able to get the job and, and all of that. I'm going to loop back a little bit here. So yeah. community. So maybe traditionally you'd have your team and that's all you would know. You'd have your manager to learn from and maybe a couple of seniors. But you we now have guilds within companies, especially larger companies, and also the Berlin community. And then even bigger, the data community. How much of a vital part has this played in your development and your career? Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, especially since I came in Berlin. Like again, in Argentina, that's maybe not super big community-wise. Like there are not things like meetups. And then when I started here, I, I went to a lot of meetups. I attended a lot of events. And um, I would definitely encourage anyone to to do that. It helps a lot because you just go out there and you meet these people and understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And without even asking, you get feedback as well because then you can understand how, how the things work in this new place, how the things work. So probably if, if you want to steer your career a little bit or if you think, especially this happened if this is your first job and then sometimes you don't really know how things are, because you don't have nothing to compare, definitely go out there and listen to people, ask them what they're doing, how they're doing, like getting closer to the people that are doing what you want to do mm -hmm. uh, helps a lot. And, and it's always uh, useful to see what resources people share, what kind of learning, how do they approach their learning? How do they approach their careers? 
Yeah, and I think data as a community is very, very, very good at that. And data doesn't lie, I suppose. So it's a great, it's a great leveler, um, and it's open to a lot of people and a lot of different backgrounds, etc. What What was your first memory of data? Out of curiosity, if you can think right back. Um, my first memory of data, like. In, so for, for me, example, I was yeah. I was um very big in sports, so like goal goals scored and these kind of numbers and analyzing this. The the reason I ask, I'm trying to yeah. think of people might be interested in data, we not real but not realize. So oh yes. So what 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 are your kind of um yeah, first in first memories of data? Um this is this is hard um i don't i don't have uh one specific memory like you would uh but my my parents are accountants and and this may may explain that the part of why i'm not a tax engineering and yeah. why like i lean always to the business side and all of that is like my parents they're accountants and i've always felt very very close to what they do and i've been working with them they have their practice private practice and i worked for them for many many years um uh, during the summers and and help as well I know of that so probably that's my my closest like memory to data like working you as an accountant you work with data like even though if you don't realize you work with data like yep. you're doing data entry you're then analyzing the data that entry like to understand where did all the things go uh you you then do an even a bigger uh picture analysis uh so yeah and and I learned a lot about uh, how to use Excel, for example, and um, formulas and stuff like which is coding as well to a certain extent, of course. Um, yeah, so definitely that's my my first memory, like real memory of data as we know it. Yeah, you've probably not thought like that before, but I think you telling that story, you were like, of course. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no wonder I've ended up in uh, in analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I've, I've never really made that connection. Well, well there we go. And yeah. I think it can come from anywhere. So data is going strength to strength. I think it's going to be a huge part, not only in business, but in people's lives as, as we move forward. Yeah. So how can we encourage more people to, to take that leap into data? Um, there's a lot of free resources out there. Uh, so showing the community what we were talking before, even though if you're not super convinced, just join and then you see what someone else is doing. And if that excites you, then that's a very good sign. Try to do that. Like if you, there's sometimes like meetups where um, there's a lot of like case uh stories like a news case story like we did this project or stuff like that try to go to those and then you get to see that and if that excites you if you want to know more about that then that's already a good start and then try to do something like that and try to find something that you like something like you were saying sports for example uh try to find something like that and then build your project um i don't know you have a fitbit or whatever like a smartwatch or something like that Maybe that's a really cool project and you want to calculate your sleep depth or something like that. And you can build nowadays, as we were saying with the open source and all of this, you can build your own tech stack from end to end. And, and that's a great practice. Um, 
and don't feel like um don't feel afraid of reaching out to people mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people reach out to me um like asking me about advice and stuff like that and it's really nice for me i follow follow up with people for like maybe i met people for like a year or or two and i've only met them via linkedin and and we talk every now and then and they tell me when they're looking for a job or something like that or when they're facing some kind of career like definitely approach to people and don't be afraid of if you see someone and it it seems inspiring to you their story mm-hmm. then definitely do that and in my experience most people they reply and they'll be very much willing to say something nice to you uh like something that could be helpful um i've reached out to people i've, I've been like hey how what kind of books have you read or things like that when i don't know for example yeah. what, what i should be learning next uh yeah and in general and in worst case they just don't replay you don't lose anything no exactly i think we have to put out a warning here though because yeah. um once you get a taste for data it can be very addictive and you yes. can <laughs> spend many many years um understanding you can get right into it and it's as we see of a lot of people it tells stories um and understanding and i think it's knowledge is power um and data provides really good insights and knowledge for decisions and it can make you think differently right yeah yeah your approach your day-to-day in a different way i i said the way like i reorganize uh, my kitchen and like i iterate (laughs) on the usage and things like that like it's it seems stupid but it definitely changes the way you think and you approach your day-to-day things as well we uh, we are very similar uh, in that way. I'm always rearranging uh, <laughs> and changing things. So, if I am a, a maybe a female software engineer and really want to get into data, from your experience and your work, how do we facilitate and encourage to pursue it? And I think. What I'm leaning towards here is if males are 60% matching the job description, they tend to apply. Females more um, need to be 90%, but they shouldn't be. If they have a passion for something, the technical side can be learned. It's all about domain knowledge and and the passion. So how can we facilitate more women to get into data um, and push on these great opportunities um yeah i think uh for me what i personally do and i i would encourage more women specifically try to do this um or um any person that kind of like falls outside of the typical stereotype of the of the person in tech um Try to go out there and talk and 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 go to, I mean, join the community, but maybe from the other side as well, right? Like to get to understand as well. And there's a lot that you can learn as well from people that are started. So for me, being in, in something like this, like um, going to talk to a conference or stuff like that, um, I feel like I'm setting some kind of example in a way, like people can yeah. see me and then they are like, oh, okay, there's people like me as well that's out there. And that's the same way I feel when I see uh, a woman in like talking out there in a conference and I, I feel 
very close to it. Like, oh, this is a person that is doing a similar thing than me. This is an option that I oh I also have. Uh, so that's definitely one. And then internally, try to push. So let's say you're working on a data team and then you have a more or less like mid or more senior position, then encourage these people as well, right? To do that. So uh, they women tend to uh, not ask so much for like a promotion or for a raise or, or things like that. As you were saying, they don't apply as much. Uh, so I think what we can do is try to make them feel, okay, you're really good at what you're doing or you did like this project very good. What I try to do, for example, is find uh, interesting projects that someone else did. And it's like, you should write a blog about this. I'll coach you. I'll help you. Like I put my time and then I'll, I'll help you on this one. Uh, basically try to elevate others. Yep. And it doesn't necessarily have to be women. Uh, but I, I feel like sometimes uh, they do need more more support because of what you were saying, right? A lot of time, there are two things that you hear a lot from women. One is if you if you go to people and you ask them, what's it like your dream role? A man is going to tell you, I want to be CTO. A woman is going to tell you, I want to get into the senior position of the role they're already in. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely try to encourage that. And then... Um, the, the the other thing is that when they're looking for a shop, then men are just applying, as you were saying. And then women tend to be in a stage that takes them like one to three months, which is I'm preparing to apply. And mm-hmm. they study and study and study and study. And the reality is that you'll never be able to apply because then you go to your uh, shop interview and then they ask you something completely of track kind of yeah uh, so definitely trust more and what we can do from the other side is make these people trust more in themselves absolutely i think like we say data is a good leveler and maybe we can use some of these uh insights to see when someone's doing well and maybe not wait and propose it to them um and try yeah. and help help do so yeah great advice and i must say it's great to see the work that you do do um is uh in the community and supporting this time has flown it's been a, a great conversation but let's wrap it up with a with a final question what yeah. is it that mo- keeps you motivated in data and what what drives you to keep learning um i think what drives me the most is that the as technology gets more complex and but complex in in a good sense right like it's uh, complex because the the standards are higher. Uh, there are new problems get more complex. Mm-hmm. And well, I love solving problems. I mean, I'm an engineer after all. So that that's the one thing that keeps me all the time. Like want to solve those problems and want to understand those problems. What are the problems that are there? And I want to solve them. Uh, so that's my motivation. Amazing. And that's the beautiful thing about problems. When you solve one, another one appears. Oh, yeah. So... Always have a problem. <laughs> always you have never get bored. To... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, you've taught us a lot today and we could have spoken for a lot longer. I think this these topics lead nicely onto a future podcast and we would love to have you on again in the future, but that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for your time and your rich insights, Victoria. It's been educational and a lot of uh, good 
wisdom that you shared with us. Uh, to the listeners, as always, drop your questions and feedback into the comments section and we'll pick some out to be answered on future pods. And please don't forget to like and share so we can get the message out and uh, reach as many people as possible. But from uh, myself uh, and Victoria, it's bye. Thank you once again. Yes, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Amazing. Glad you enjoyed it. It's been an honor having you on. So everyone, ciao for now.